0: What is going on, everyone? Welcome into a new episode of the Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com. My name is Colton Denning, and I am your host back on the podcast. Shout out to Matt Tamanini for taking the reins and and hosting the show last week. And as always, I am joined by the consistent and ever-present Patrick Mayhorn. Patrick, you are the Brett Favre of podcasting. You show up every week. Uh, I don't know if you're abusing painkillers or what you're doing off the field but uh you're here every week you're a warrior
1: that's the patrick mayhorn promise i will never log off never ever
0: that's what we can count on you for but we are here to talk a lot of ohio state basketball today because folks ohio state is good again maybe i don't know are they are they great (laughs) after their 90 to 70 win over 22nd ranked iowa last night And let's get right to it, man, because I I haven't spent a lot of time watching them. I'll be straight up honest. A lot of this is going to be you. I've been very busy, but I caught the end of last night's game. And what are your what are your main takeaways from this? Because this looks the what we saw last night was a completely different team from what we've seen a lot over the last month and a half.
1: Yeah, I. I was in shock, like, like watching watching the game last night because um, we we had spent like um, a pretty good portion of the season seeing what we thought was um, a pretty steady eight or seven man rotation. We thought that that was just kind of the eight guys that could play, and um, some of the freshmen would come along later probably next season. And then um, I think before the the Maryland game, I saw that that Chris Holtman had announced he would be putting Justin Orens in the starting lineup in place of Musa Jallo, I think. And I was, I think, justifiably pretty confused by this move just from what we had seen from Justin Orens up to this point in the season where I, I think the stat I saw was that Coming into the Maryland game, he had 38 total points on the year, Um, and he scored 29 against Iowa, which is, I I think, one of the most surprising things I've ever seen happen on a basketball court. He looked um, like the best player on the floor pretty easily. He looked like... Uh, A four-year starter who has been playing college basketball for his entire life. He looked completely comfortable and completely capable of hitting every shot that he took. It was... It was insane. I mean, he, he shot seven of 11 from the field, six of 10 from three. Um, he hit nine free throws. He was just, he was outstanding. And it, it really, Ohio State rode that to a, a pretty big win over a ranked opponent. But I, I think that the big story, and definitely the story that everyone has been writing, is about Justin Arns and for good reason.
0: 25 of those points were in the second half. And something that we've talked about all season is. This team just needing somebody that can step up and not even make a shot. Like, that That would be great. That's obviously the ideal. But somebody that can just take a shot. And at least for one night, we'll see where this goes as they continue to play out the ending portion of this season. Justin was that... He was that guy. He was able just going back and watching he's taking shots he's driving to the bucket he's getting to the free throw line he's initiating offense in an offense that has been a lot of times very passive with how they attack and they just so desperately need somebody that can just step up and fill that role and we'll see if he's able to do it going forward but it was so great to see somebody kind of step into that role of just like, hey, give me the ball. I'm going to take it to the rack. I'm going to get to the free throw line. I'm going to take these shots. You know, you're not going to hit 7 of 11 on threes every single night, but to just have him step into the lineup and have confidence to be able to do that against a ranked opponent is so huge for this offense and can open so many so many possibilities for them going forward, not only this season, but next season as well.
1: Yeah, and that was something that um, I saw Caleb Wesson was talking about in the post-game interviews, was that he was saying that having someone outside who can hit those threes, and even if he's not hitting them at a 60% clip, which is obviously not going to be super sustainable, he's not going to hit six threes every night, but just to have that threat out there and to know that Justin Orange could hit a three or even that Dwayne Washington could hit a three. Dwayne Washington hit a couple threes and has seemingly caught back on after having a, a couple off weeks. He, he, he has looked good in the last couple games. But Caleb Wesson saying that having those guys outside really opens up the game for him in the post too because teams can't double team him anymore. And we saw that last night where Caleb was able to to get back up to, you know, he scored 18 points, he had 11 boards, and he looked like himself again. He looked like the dominant center that we saw earlier in the year against teams like Michigan State, um, not in the the most recent Michigan State game, but the one before that where Caleb is able to establish himself inside and he's playing with confidence and he's doing these these post moves that we know he has and he just can't do against double teams. But when you have that force outside and you have that guy who – Stretches the defense out both from the three-point line and on cutting to the hoop is is another thing that I think Arms does really well is getting to the hoop on or off ball. Um, It really adds another layer to this offense that the offense desperately needs. I I think that um, for much of the season, and I've been saying this on on Twitter for the last couple games as some people um, start to question Chris Holtman's play design I guess has been the thing that's that's like a famous thing that people do when a basketball team isn't doing well they say well the sets are bad which doesn't mean anything Um, but Ohio State was getting open shots all season long and it was just you know they needed somebody to hit them and it seems like Justin Arns at least for this game could which opens up the offense for everybody else. I mean, we see Andre Wesson put in 11 points and I I think that, you know, we'll certainly talk about this a little bit more, but um, Andre might be one of the most important people on this team. We see Keyshawn Woods hitting shots, um, not from three, but just in general, he had 13 points. He was good from the free throw line. Um, You know, Dwayne Washington, like I said, he puts in 10, even on a bad night from CJ Jackson, where he only has six. They're able to absorb that blow because they have someone who can shoot from the outside and, I think that that really is the most important thing for this offense, and Aaron certainly isn't going to be able to do that every single night, but having someone that it's a, you know can at least threaten it is a, a really big deal.
0: It not only uncongests the offense, but it takes so much pressure off of Caleb Wesson on both ends of the floor, and uh, especially on offense. A game like that and having guys hit shots from the outside and just having that threat, It uncongests the paint for him, and we just know that this team can't win with him working in the post. That's just a bad way to play basketball in 2019, is to throw the ball to Caleb Weston in the post and say, hey, go get us 25, and for him to be able to get more one-on-one looks and easier buckets, that just presents a, a dual threat for Ohio State that they haven't had for most of the season. And I think, honestly, it probably takes a lot of mental pressure off of him. He only had, what, two fouls in this game? And for that pressure to be off him and know that he doesn't really have to do it all by himself, I think that that's just a, a totally different topic and a positive for this team that not only are you getting offensive contributions from everybody else, you're opening up the offense, but you're relieving a lot of stress and pressure off of one of your best players.
1: Yeah, and I think that the other thing, and you mentioned the fouls, and I, I would like to touch on that a little bit. The main concern that I had with Orens coming into this game and just this season in general was how lost he looked on defense. Just generally, he, he did not look like he knew what he was doing, especially in a zone. And Ohio State has has kind of gone away from the zone recently, which um, it's kind of easy to see why. But I think Orens, his kind of Underrated portion of of his game, at least last night, was that he was really helpful on defense. He he has the athleticism and the maybe not the instincts, but the the natural ability to get in between his you know his man and the the hoop. And he he still gets burnt sometimes. He still gets lost a little bit sometimes. But I think that that takes a lot of pressure off of Caleb as well. When you have another athletic wing out there on the floor, whereas with a guy like Musa Jalo, who I think is a a pretty consistent defender, but not a game changer by any means on the defensive side of the ball. He he doesn't really make plays. He's just kind of there. He doesn't get beat, but he doesn't do a ton that you notice either. I think when you have someone like Arendt out there starting instead who can make some plays on defense, you know, get, he got a steal. He was out there. He has active hands. He's quick. He's a little bit better of an athlete. I think that that's a really big deal for Caleb because it makes the the inside of the lane, just like on the offense, it makes it less congested. It makes it so other teams have to think about shooting from outside instead of trying to just drive in and get Caleb to foul them.
0: It's a real credit to this team, too, that they just continue to to keep battling. And we've seen them go through good stretches this season we've seen them go through bad stretches and this is a group that they've still lost 3 what three of their last 5 games so for us to be talking about them in this regard after what they did to a pretty good Iowa team i think is is remarkable and it does show back to getting back to chris holtman that even though it's been in fits and starts this season i think the overall message of what he's trying to get his guys to play to is sinking in and and it may not look the prettiest a lot of times and there's a lot of growing pains to it but the overall message and the overall goal I think they're still moving forward to which is really nice
1: yeah for sure and this is you know we we've said this quite a few times this year, but this is still a, a building year. This is a um, a development year planning for next season and for, for the next year after that, and just down the road establishing a culture. And I, I think that to still see wins like this, to still see a situation where you have a freshman really breaking out and seemingly getting over the hump a little bit, getting his, his confidence going, um, even while some of his, you know, his teammates are struggling, a guy like Luther Muhammad who has really, really hit a wall, um, and you've got C.J. Jackson struggling a little bit after the injury, and to have somebody like that step up is certainly a testament not to not just to Arns but to Chris Holtman's ability to coach and his ability to develop in season, and I think a. Um, a good tie-in for that and for someone that I would really like to to talk about and not forget about here is um, the in-season development of Andre Wesson from a a pretty consistent role player who doesn't put up a ton of numbers or, or do a whole lot of tangible things on the floor. His development from that at the beginning of this year and the end of last year to um, arguably the most important player on this team, I think a, a true glue guy, a true um leader of this roster Andre Wesson played 40 minutes against Iowa he played the entire game um four or five rebounds three assists two blocks including a an absolutely huge block a um I think it was a breakaway for Iowa and Andre just got up and swatted it away and 11 points um he's never going to be an offensive powerhouse I don't think he he just doesn't have that in his, in his game, but his overall contributions to this roster, his ability to hit a couple threes, his defense, his passing, everything is just so huge. And it it really can't be understated how, or overstated rather, how important Andre Wesson is for this team.
0: And guys like Wesson, Andre Wesson, that is, Ahrens and Dwayne Washington Jr. I think show the perseverance that really this group as a whole has had and the ability to stay cool because they really could have let this season go. And I think that they they know that it's a building year. Obviously, they want to win games and and make the NCAA tournament. But at the same time, I think that this coaching staff knows what they're working with and knows that they have a lot of young guys and guys that are being put into roles that at least for now it doesn't seem like you know they're really ready for but it's just like hey you you guys got to go it's your program now and I think for them to keep their cool the way they have has really been a testament to like I said before just the overall vision of the program but Patrick you know who didn't keep his cool last night (laughs)
1: which of the McCaffrey's are we going to start with (laughs) Uh,
0: who do you who do you want to start with
1: Let's start with the the lesser um, tantrum of the two and in Connor McCaffrey's um, his his technical where um, it, it seemed like he he was called for a foul that was, I think questionable. It, it could have gone either way and kind of got up in the the refs grill about it. Um, technical was probably deserved. Um, he he got benched pretty quickly but that was that was the lesser of the two uh tirades by a McCaffrey family member last
0: night Fran McCaffrey is really a legend he, you rocks. Think about, he, <laughs> he's, he rocks he rocks so cool For, uh, <laughs> Fran McCaffrey seems like the type of I mean this will tell you what type of kid that I was and the type of shithead I was growing up Fran McCaffrey looks like the type of guy where like if I were friends with his son growing up I'm showing up at the dinner table and just to see what happens, I'm wearing a hat. Just to just to look over and see his reaction. Boy, that guy has he has a temper.
1: Yeah, yeah, that would certainly um would you like to read the quote or should I do it?
0: <laughs> All you. <laughs> oh
1: shit, now I have to find it. Um, who was it that it was um one of the funniest quotes I, I think I've ever seen in a, a college basketball context maybe just in general one of the funniest quotes i've ever seen it was kyle rowland uh word up to kyle rowland for this um so fran mccaffrey while walking down the uh he was walking down the hallway after the game he was yelling at an official i'm assuming it was the official did that, that teed him up he yelled you cheating mother f- you're a f- disgrace which is just uh, i mean like it was like Fran McCaffrey wanted to get fined. He wanted a reason to give away some money to the Big Ten, because that's like that's the fastest way you can get fined is by yelling that at a referee after a basketball game. <laughs> When's the last time you were that mad? I don't. I don't know if I've ever been that mad. I, I'm really. I'm not sure I've ever
0: been that mad. <laughs> that's me every time I play ncaa 2007 at the ai where one of my offensive linemen gets blown up by an fcs defensive lineman <laughs>
1: i have i i will say i have had a, a recent bad experience with an ncaa football video game where um the it, it happens where like your defense just is not tackling and they keep missing tackles and like a the other team's receiver is like, breaking five tackles, and you you yell that exact phrase at the television screen. So word up to Fran McCaffrey for that. Very, very cool.
0: <laughs> I had a game the other week where I scored with, like, 20 seconds left, and then I lost on a Hail Mary, and my first immediate thought was, like, oh, I get why these head coaches die. This makes sense. That's where I'm at <laughs> in my life.
1: <laughs> you went down to your, like, you had your hands on your knees. you <laughs>
0: I literally was doing the Urban Meyer, like pan to the sideline, oh, threw the headset off, had my hands on my knees, oh, and it was the last thing I did before I went to bed, and I just sat there for like an Whoa. hour, and I was like, this is this is what my life has become.
1: Man, I have like to, because I, I go to the gym really late, um, and then when I get home, I like take a shower and then go to bed. Um to To calm myself down before I go to bed, I have started reading. Um, I don't know if you've ever read The Perfect Pass, which is about Hal Mummy and, to an extent, Mike Leach. Really, really wonderful book. Um, we're so far off topic right now, but people should read that book. It's really, really good.
0: Was that the story?
1: Yeah, that's it. It's, it's oh. just a good book. People should read it.
0: <laughs> no, it is. It is a great book. I need to read it again because I haven't read it in a uh, in a couple years, but. Yeah, I I was upset about that one. That yeah. that was not um, <laughs> understandable. Was not my finest moment. But tying back to the basketball team and where we're at, I I've seen a couple of different people and different articles talking about like last night's win is like that. This gets Ohio State back into the NCAA tournament, and I don't know how you feel, but until until I think the end of the Big Ten tournament, whenever they're out or they win, they go on an improbable run and, and win it. I think I'm done talking about like whether this is a tournament team or not because, like I said, this is a team that's still lost three of their last five games, and they have to finish the season with at Purdue, at Northwestern, and against a ranked Wisconsin at home, and I am taking nothing for granted with this team. Last night was awesome. I think that it can be a huge building block for them. But, you know, I'm not putting it past them to lose out here. They're they're definitely not above it. And if we see Aaron's play, not not to that level that he did last night, but start to put together a two or three game stretch where he's consistent, then I'll feel a little bit more confident. But I'm encouraged, but also a little bit guarded at the same time because this team has not been consistent all year they've been consistently inconsistent and they've had a lot of highs and the highs have been very high and the lows have been very low so we'll see what happens against Purdue that games on Saturday on the road and if they're able to win that game then I think I really start to become a believer but cautiously optimistic is where I'm at right now
1: yeah I I think that everything that I've seen and I'm in a similar place where Um, even if they, let's say they lose out, they lose their first round game against like Penn State in the Big Ten tournament again because they just can't avoid Penn State. Um, Even if they lose out, they end up in the NIT. I, I think that Having that win over Iowa was such a satisfying experience just to watch that that's that's kind of something that I can hold on to through the offseason and um, use as like a uh, just a, a source of of joy to remember and to have some hopefulness going into next year um, because seeing you know late in that game Justin Arends drill one last three. <laughs> Was such a it was such a delight, um, and even if nothing else good happens this year, we will always have that moment, which was just hysterical, extremely, extremely good. Um, in terms of actual expectations, I, I think that, or you know, in terms of actual how the season might play out uh, from from here on out, I think that if they beat Northwestern and win a game in the Big Ten tournament, they're probably in. From what I've seen right now, it, it seems like all of the the bracketology guys have them in. Um, strangely enough, I don't think they were ever really out. It it seemed like uh, Lenardi and all of those those bracket guys never really seemed to take Ohio State out. I think Ohio State's resume is maybe slightly better than um, their actual like on the court gameplay is to watch. They they have some some quality wins that we have since kind of forgotten about like that cincinnati win looks really really good right now and the, the creighton win is is okay and um you know the um i guess the penn state win looks better each week as penn state continues to be seemingly decent um this iowa win obviously big but i mean like you know cincinnati is is currently what 23 and 4. Off the top of my head, yeah, twenty three and four. They're a they're a good basketball team and Ohio State beat them. And um I think that, you know, beat Northwestern win a game in the Big Ten tournament. Even if they don't, if they just beat Northwestern, I think they're probably in as a nine or a ten seed, which is I, I mean, fine with me. I, I um if they're continue to play at least watchable offense i have no issue with them going to an ncaa tournament um is that going to happen i don't know probably not they'll, they'll probably go back to to what they they were they'll probably regress to the mean but if they don't i'm i'm sure uh willing to continue watching this team and i, I think regardless I'll, I'll be um very very hopeful heading into next season i think that there are quite a few reasons to be hopeful
0: yeah and, and where i'm at is even if they don't make it, I, I don't think that that's any anything to be discouraged about because, like you said, I I, I don't think a, a long nit run would be the worst thing for them. Even if they you know don't make the tournament, I think that you know whatever they do postseason wise, they're not gonna go far in the NCAA tournament. I think we know that for sure. And that would be great experience for them. But I think a long NIT run would also be great too. So I don't know. We we can get into that more when it actually happens. There's three games left in the season. I'm with you that if they take care of business, they beat Northwestern, maybe beat one of Wisconsin. And Man, Purdue if they beat
1: Purdue, that would be just, just yeah. wonderful.
0: <laughs> yeah, that would be – and that would be the thing where it's like – you know, yeah, everybody has you in right now. We've seen that the committee can be a little differing than what the bracketologists kind of figure that they're going to do. But if they just take care of business against Northwestern and they're able to pull out a win against Purdue on Saturday, man, that that would be huge. And I think that then you can kind of solidify that, okay, this is a tournament team.
1: Yeah, for sure. And the, that Purdue game certainly... Um, not a likely win by any means to win at Purdue in general. Is yeah, Purdue's good. Especially with um, this roster. But uh, I, I guess Carson Edwards has been kind of struggling recently from from what I've seen. I don't watch a ton of Purdue because I don't really like to look at any of their players. But I, I think that if Ohio State keeps shooting the way that they did in the, the second half against Iowa, they, they certainly have a shot. And um, I, I don't expect to win, but hopefully they can keep it close. Hopefully it's not Absolutely dreadful to watch. That's that's kind of been my thing all year and uh the Iowa game was good to watch, so I would like more of that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hopefully they're able to close out the season on the right note. We'll see in these final three games starting with Purdue on Saturday. Is there anything else we wanna hit? Spring practice football starts on the fourth, I believe, the fourth or the seventh, so we're still a little over a week away from football starting up and there hasn't really been any other Ohio State related news, which is super nice for an off season.
1: Um yeah, not not a ton to not a ton to talk on. Um there will be some spring content coming people's way real soon that I think they're gonna like. Um it's not out yet. It will be soon. Um there's the combine, I think this week. I, I don't know off the top of my yeah, head. Yeah, combine week. is this week. Do you care about the combine?
0: Yeah, I actually like the combine. I'll be interested just because all the stupid stories that come out, and I, I'm excited to see Haskins on a big stage because for as great of a, a, a season as he had, and even him going to New York for the Heisman ceremony, he was really overshadowed by Tua and Kyler Murray and Murray's gonna be the big story at this year's combine, of course, but this is really his chance to kind of I I think solidify what we know about him and what people that have watched him all season know about him in terms of what he can do with his arm, you know, how he how he looks. We won't get we're not privy to like interview stuff, but I, I think just on field wise he's really going to impress and every time people talk about him, I'm still amazed that like he's still so young, not even just in terms of his age, but starts wise. He's one of the I don't want to say least experienced, but it, it really is. He he has less reps than a lot of other guys that have entered the draft historically, and I think teams are gonna take a lot of stock into that. And it's a big week for him. What we know about him, he's gonna show out, especially not being in pads. He's just gonna be able to fling the ball around. So I'm excited to watch him throw
1: yeah I, I would agree with that I, i'm I'm interested in seeing um, what what Dwayne is able to do at the combine. I saw that there's like an over under on his um, his 40 time at 4.71 so um, not gonna get under that that's not gonna happen. <laughs> Yeah, who made that? (laughs) I I believe um, I I wrote, I I aggregated some news about this last week. Um, I believe JT Barrett's was 4.7 flat. So, uh, t- take that information as you may. I, I don't think, uh, Dwayne Haskins is faster than JT Barrett, just from what I've seen, not, not convinced he's faster than JT Barrett. So if you want to make some free money, I think there's a chance to do that there. Um, outside of that, I'm interested in the wide receivers. I want to see how they do. I, I think that all three of of them are going to, I think all three of them got invites. I think all three of them are going to do very, very well in interviews. I think they'll probably do pretty well in the athleticism stuff too. Um, Three guys who would not surprise me if they're in the NFL for a very long time. Draymond Jones is probably going to kill it. I think he's going to slide into the, the first round because he is a very, very good athlete as we saw this season. I think that his um his agility stuff and his 40 time are probably going to surprise quite a few people outside of that not not a ton that i'm i'm super interested in the browns are good now so i don't actually have to care about the draft which is very helpful um i can just kind of assume that they'll they'll figure it out and i don't have to like do all the mock draft stuff or um which is which is nice i can like not try to you know find what uh mel kiper says about my team and why daniel jones is a top five pick or whatever stupid shit he's doing this year
0: one thing that i think is very interesting is that ohio state could have back-to-back years of having the fastest player run the 40 it was denzel ward last year i think he ran a four three two and kendall sheffield this oh man year. <laughs> That's gonna be a major talking point because Kendall Sheffield's gonna run like a four two nine and he's gonna be a first round pick and you we know what it, you know what I, I'm not mad at that man he's he can't play corner for Ohio State anymore first round pick that is just recruiting material I am perfectly fine with it
1: yeah here's Kendall Sheffield's success in the NFL don't look at what he did at
0: Ohio State that doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally good with it, but that there should be plenty of stories coming out, and as always, Ohio State had a lot of dudes at the top who are going to be talked about, but we'll talk about that and everything else going on, the Purdue game, spring practice, combine stuff. What Nick Bosa's health looks, looks like, because that's going to be another talking point at the combine for his medical. So it's all starting to ramp up here. We got a lot to talk about in the coming weeks. But I think that about wraps it up for today, don't you think?
1: Yep, I think that's um, think that's a good way to end it. This is the official podcast of Justin Ahrens now.
0: Yes, it is. He uh, he owns us, and that was one where I I appreciated you saying that you were wrong about that. This is one.
1: the first time we've been wrong about an Ohio State sport in two years. I, I think yeah, people we need to accept that
0: <laughs> we weren't wrong in 2018 that's for damn sure no <laughs> um but on that note we're gonna get out of here make sure to follow the podcast on twitter at holy land pod patrick is at patrick underscore mayhorn i am at Dubsco as a site we are at land grant 33 subscribe to the show on apple podcasts and find us on soundcloud at soundcloud.com slash land grant holy land but until next time for patrick mayhorn i'm colton denning this has been the Hangout in the Holy Land and go Bucks.